Stafford going to the end zone, reaching up and making the grab. Odell Beckham Jr. Stafford rolling and throwing. Caught, caught, touchdown. That's a good Ramsey on him. A little toss here. Next is going to throw. Open man. Caught. Higgins touchdown. Stafford says go deep downfield and it is picked off in the end zone. Jesse Bates picks him off. Play action, finding room, going deep and it's caught by Higgins. He goes in for the score. Fired over the middle, picked off at the 31 yard line. Alugier. Stafford caught on the run. Cut. Who else? Pass. Cut. Got it. Touchdown. Pressure situation. I don't know if I have ever seen anybody be better than Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Burrow trying to keep it going, but spun down, gets it away, and incomplete. The Rams now running down to celebrate with a defensive play. The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bud Voices Podcast. My name is Bilal Malik, and these are my co-hosts, Trenton Cito and Tom Gorski. How are you guys doing? The season is over. The season is over, but for uh, both of our teams, the Bears and Vikings, the season is only just beginning anew. I'm doing fantastic. Thomas, how are you doing? Doing great, man. You know, this is the start of the new year. Anyone can win the Super Bowl. Unless you're the Chicago Bears, of course. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But, um, no, be man. Careful you know, what you say, Tom. That can come right back at you, too. So be careful what you say. Hey, the offseason is upon us. We're only about – I think we're exactly like a month away or about 29 days or so away from uh, the new league year. I believe it's March 16th. Uh, so that's when everything gets spicy, you know. Um, we got the a lot of rumors, reckless speculation going on. Um. It's going to be a good next few months. A lot of players could be on the move. So uh, I think we're going to have a lot of content to talk about going forward. A lot of players on the move and maybe some players staying put. Cough, cough, Kirk Cousins. I don't know. (laughs) All right, but let's get on with it, guys. Um, So if I want to see you guys have been living under a rock, which I know you guys haven't. The Rams beat the, uh, the Bengals in the Super Bowl, 23-20, to 20, and we'll dissect the game um, in a little bit. But uh, just going to headlines here. So during the Rams championship parade, uh, the f- photographer uh, Kelly, Kelly Smiley uh, unfortunately fell and um, fractured her spine and broke both of her cameras. Uh, while covering on stage covering the parade but now the Rams and both Matthew and Kelly Stafford will be uh, covering her hospital bills so it's uh, a nice gesture after um, I mean they were in the middle of celebration and if you see the video she just went straight down and it's a it's a quite uh, unfortunate thing and it's good good for them to take up this responsibility because that's the last thing someone really needs in such a fluke situation is to not worry about paying for hospital bills and other uh, expenses that will come with it. So it's a good gesture by the Rams and the Staffords to, um, to take this up. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Stafford kind of had to, man, I think uh, he looks pretty bad in the video uh, Stafford. I know he was probably drunk uh, considering she fell and he just 
turned around and walked away. Uh, it's not really a good. Yeah, look. his uh, his wife got involved with it, so that's yeah. a good at least one of them. She actually looked concerned yeah. in the video, though. She actually looked genuinely concerned, which I thought was great. Stafford was in just a whole nother world. He I was drunk. Think he had a little. Yeah, he probably had a little too yeah. much. And he wasn't uh, Brady drunk, but he, he that beer or all the alcohol he consumed was just for all the years that he had to suffer in Detroit. So he's earned it. Yeah, and. Uh, it's a good thing they're taking this up. And Brady even put out a tweet earlier telling uh, Stafford to mix in some water with all his uh, alcohol that he was consuming based off of Brady's own experience last year of tossing a Super Bowl trophy from uh, boat to boat. Like his it was, was uh, But uh, good thing we didn't see any of that happen in the parade and uh, the Rams fan base came out and turned out, uh, appreciated their team and uh, uh, it's a fan base that's been deserving of a championship, and they got it. So, uh, can we talk uh, about about can we talk about how pathetic that like parade was compared to other like towns? That, I feel so bad for the Rams because you know they put their hard sweat and tears, and there were more people who showed up to the Owen sixteen Browns parade than there was the Super Bowl championship parade for the Rams. I mean, it was just really bad for as big as LA is. You think that they would have a bigger crowd? There was an Owen 16 Browns parade. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did you know about this, Trenton? I can't. I don't exactly remember. Yeah, neither do I. But nonetheless. 3,200 people showed up. Whoa. For which parade? The Browns Owen 16 parade. And how many people showed up for the Rams parade? Uh, I haven't seen a number yet, but it, it it was really low. It was kind of similar to like you know when the Lynx won it, won the WNBA championship. How there was literally almost like nobody down here in Chicago. Uh, I was down there. Were you? Yeah. Well, there was literally little no people. It was it was a trending. It was all, that that was also scheduled at eleven a.m. on a Tuesday morning, and they started the parade half an hour late. So I was. I was going to leave because I almost had class to get to, but right at the end, they uh, showed up. So the scheduling was off for that. But uh, I heard there were a lot of people packed into the LA Coliseum though, for the, as a, like at the end of the parade. So probably more people were in there. I didn't even watch the parade. I just saw some of the, the videos of it afterward, but again, good for the Rams to, have this championship and this experience. And even if people didn't come out, it, the players still got a chance to enjoy themselves. Um, moving on here, Tom, this is for you because the Rams offensive coordinator who won the Super Bowl for them, Kevin O'Connell, is now officially the Minnesota Vikings head coach. So now, Trenton, you and I can just take a break for the next half an hour and Tom can uh, just ramble on. Well, I mean, the the uh, deal got finalized last night, and, uh, you know, it's a good hire. I mean, can't go wrong hiring the offensive coordinator who's got a Super Bowl ring, uh, you know. So, I mean, O'Connell, he's 36, 37 years old going on. Um, he's, hired, he's hired a pretty impressive staff thus far. You can't really go – I just – it's hard to, like, really analyze it because he hasn't really stepped – into like the office yet but uh basing up like the comments on his press conference i mean the guy's a leader he's gonna make you want to run through a brick wall 
He's the complete opposite of Mike Zimmer. And, you know, Kevin O'Connell, he's just a very open-minded person. And he simply, he just seemed like you could see why he blew the Wilson ownership and the whole, um, everyone involved just simply away. I mean, the guy's a very smart dude. He understands football. And more importantly, he has a love for the game that you can kind of just tell. Um, just by hearing him talk, um, he simply just loves the game of football. And he's a guy that he'll talk football with you for hours and hours on end, uh, similar to Sean McVay. You know, he reminds me a lot of Brandon Staley from when the Chargers hired him. This seems like a Brandon Staley type hire, nearly a straight image. Um, there were a lot of interesting comments today. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, there was Chris Thomason from the Pioneer Press. You know, one, he's a very well-known Minnesota reporter who throws the hard questions down. And, you know, right away he threw a pretty tough question at him about Kirk Cousins, saying, can you confirm that, Kirk Cousins is going to be your quarterback for the 2022 season. Can you give us firm confirmation? And he did it like how you're kind of taught to. He's like, well, as of now, Kirk Cousins is under contract. And, you know, we have a lot of faith in him. and We're going to build the offense around him. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, he didn't commit to him, but he also didn't dismiss it either. He kind of just handled it the way that you normally would. So he, he was brought in to develop a quarterback. Is it Kirk Cousins? We don't know. But overall, he mentioned a lot of good things in his press conference. It seems like he wants Anthony Barr back. They're running a 3-4 defense, um, and they're going to be running an 11 personnel. I just haven't ran that in, since the Favre days, three wide receiver sets. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason. But uh, so far, he killed the press conference. Him and Quasi Dofo Mensa both have. Now we just got to see them back it up on the field, and the next few months should be interesting. If I had to project the Vikings roster right now, I would say Kirk Cousins is on the roster as the starting quarterback come September. So uh, I don't see you guys making a big uh, change at that position right now. It's possible. I mean, if someone's available, you're not going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to trade him. You know, it's kind of like Josh Rosen is our guy. We have all the faith in Josh Rosen. Then they Yeah, I mean, in that situation, the circumstances, obviously – changed but uh i'm giving you my prediction in february right now that come september Kirk cousins will still be the starting quarterback for the minnesota vikings it's what all signs are pointing to uh it's been reported that he's refusing to take a discount or a team-friendly deal so i don't know what impact that'll have on them going forward but i don't know if they'll extend them they might have to eat that 45 million dollar cap hit and just live with them for one more year you know, maybe we'll uh, get to see Kellen Mond. I mean, Mike Zimmer was kind of keeping him in a in a garage with no windows. He's like, I, I see him enough. Yeah, <laughs> see, him every day. Zimmer, see, Kevin O'Connell is the opposite of Mike Zimmer, which is great. You know, he actually said hi to somebody in the building today. That was like a really big thing that players talked to the ownership, that they would love a coach who would like acknowledge them in the hallway and not give them like a dirty eye. So as soon as O'Connell got to the building this morning, he's like, oh, hey, guys, how's it going? How are you? You know, he's just a very friendly guy outgoing, which is kind of it's a little refreshing to see after Mike Zimmer's the grouchy old man who thinks he's Belichick. But in reality, he was closer to Bill O'Brien. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. Indeed. Uh, we'll just stay with the head coaching news and go with the Cincinnati Bengals who have signed 
their head coach, Zach Taylor, to an extension through the 2026 season. He only had one year left on his previous deal. And it's a, it's a good move for them to do this. But, I mean, you guys remember last year, about this time, Zach Taylor was on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Like, he was named, I think, like the second most likely NFL coach to get fired. <laughs> And it's a good thing they didn't fire him because looking at this year as a complete season, obviously there are still holes in Cincinnati's team, which is why they did not come away with the championship, but coming away with a full year with a healthy quarterback for the most part, um, they were able to put together their show their potential of what this team could be. And this team uh, made it all the way to the Super Bowl. So like, I'm not saying they're going to be back there again next year. I'm not saying they're going to win it again. Not going to to win it, but they're now, they went two years ago, dead last in the NFL. And just to see the quick turnaround that is there, I mean, they stuck with, they had a plan and the plan um, had to be altered a few times, but they stuck with their overall philosophy and it's proven successful. So I think, uh, I think the Cincinnati team is uh, on the rise and good Good for them keeping their head coach in there, the guy, the guy in charge. I think he's the right guy to lead this ship. Having Joe Burrow fixes a lot of things, whether you're a good coach or you're not a good coach. Just having him under center is just a game changer. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Zach Taylor was on the hot seat. Um, he didn't really didn't – I mean, honestly, originally he didn't even really deserve the head coaching job. He wasn't even a coordinator. He was just a quarterback coach. Um, but, you know, by having Joe Burrow and drafting Jamar Chase and having those weapons on offense in the season they had, um, they were kind of forced to extend him. Um, I personally probably would have let him uh, play it one more year out just because it, the season could have been a fluke for all we know. So just locking someone in the money, uh, it's, it's a little tough because, you know, I'm not really sold on Zach Taylor. Um but, you know, it, it's hard not to extend someone when you get to the Super Bowl, whether it was because of your quarterback or not. Um, so, overall, it's, it's a good hire. It's just they need to fix the offensive line, and they need to really emphasize giving their franchise quarterback easily one of the elite quarterbacks in all football in offensive line. Uh, just seeing how far Joe Burrow took and carried that team on his back this season – with literally the worst offensive line in all football. He was sacked 70 times all year, and they lost the Super Bowl simply because they didn't have an offensive line. Um, Zach Taylor and the general manager, they're really going to have to spend that money on the offensive line. They got the most cap space, or second most cap, second or third most cap space to work with this offseason. They got like $58 million. So um, it, the extension was predictable. Um, the question going forward is, were the were the 2021 Bengals a fluke or not? And I think that's I think if Zach Taylor could bounce back, then we'll see that he's the right guy. But until then, um, we kind of just gotta like wait and see, kind of see like what they do. Yeah, I don't see them possibly going as far as they did this year, but I think they will remain competitive, and especially because that division is changing now. Um, Steelers are way worse. Steelers will be, yeah, they will probably regress until they find a quarterback there. Um, um, 
Browns don't have a quarterback either. I mean, I love Baker, but he's not the answer. He can be to an extent. But, yeah, he's there's nothing definite there either. And the Ravens are also a little shaky at times. Like, they can be great, but at the same time, they can also be the complete opposite. So, like, that division is still wide open at the moment. Out of looking – again, the season just ended, but looking at the most complete team, and I know we mentioned that there's a lot of issues still with Cincinnati. In my view, Cincinnati is still probably one of the more complete teams that has things um, together at this moment compared to – the other teams in their division. They really could just run it back. You know, um, they could just run it back and just make some additions. I mean, with all the money they have, um, they could probably add another cornerback, at least three offensive linemen. They own the 31st pick as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that they could do. Uh, I know Brendan Sheriff comes to mind. He's the best guard on the open market. He, he's an all pro. Um, I'd pay him whatever he wants, you know, just come to Cincinnati they need to prioritize Joe Burrow and his health. I mean, Joe Burrow played in the Super Bowl with a sprained MCL. He refused doctor treatment. The guy, he came back from a torn ACL, MCL, PCL. He blew out his entire knee, and then he came back, and he brought him this far. Well, that injury, that injury also happened during the game. It's not like he started it with it. But oh, yeah, hurt. yeah, yeah. This happened. That, I believe, like, the Bengals had the lead at the time, and then when they he went down, he got hurt. Yeah. And uh, well, there were a few injury news that came up in the game. We'll get to that in a couple minutes here. Um, all right. Guys, who do you think on the Rams team had the best game, best Sunday? Like, I know they all won the Super Bowl, but I think one person even had a, a much, even better Sunday. That'd be Van Jefferson. I mean, uh, he won a Super Bowl and had a baby. You know, he celebrated with the team. Then he left the stadium, went to the hospital. So, can't, have I can't you, what I better have do. you guys seen the NFL Films cl- video clip of him being informed that uh, he was his wife was just about to have a baby? If you haven't, you should. The Rams, one of the Rams PR people, came running up to him, uh, and he's celebrating with his kids on the field after just probably right after the game was over and they're celebrating, they're playing confetti and it comes up to him and says that you have to go to the hospital like right now. And he's trying to explain to his kids and his kids are like, I would guess they're like probably four or five or five or six, something like that. He's not that old. So he's trying to calmly explain to his kids like, yeah, we have to go now. And his daughter just keeps asking him questions like, why do we have to go? And he's just trying to explain it to him, like, we have to go. And because your, uh, your baby brother is about to be born. And so just, just the, that rush of emotion of winning a Super Bowl and then going straight to the hospital is probably, it's probably the best day of his life. But, um, but just uh, you hear stories of that happening and then you see, and then you see it happen in this instance, instance with Van Jefferson. Uh, you can uh, feel nothing but happiness for the guy. So, yeah. good for him. He, he might not have caught a touchdown, but he caught a baby boy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He also had a few good plays in the game, too. Like, they start off the game, and uh, the Rams 
were stalling in the beginning, but uh, a, few, yeah, a few big plays here or there started started the momentum for that team. But uh, and last off with the news here, the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit is uh, still going on. In the NFL, has hired. Uh, Loretta Lynch, who is the first uh, black female attorney general in United States history to defend the league in their racial discrimination lawsuit that Flores has filed. I mean, not to get too uh, deep into the case right now, because again, it's ongoing. We don't have much details. And but tactically speaking, this is a this is an interesting. This is a from a PR standpoint, the league is uh, to go at, to hire the first black female attorney general to defend them. It's like they're not wasting anything here. They're going full out. I mean, that's what you would expect from the league, though. It's the National Football League for who, who we're talking about here. They don't like that image. Their image to them is so important. And like, even if some of the allegations are true, like the Stephen Ross tanking situation, that's its own separate matter, I would assume. Like that would be a situation that Stephen Ross has to figure out and any other team that has been accused of tanking. But just for the league in general to go this route is a, is a bold statement. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, the NFL is always on top of these things. They'll have the best lawyers, best everyone. Rarely lose cases. I mean, they even took Tom Brady to the Supreme Court. So, uh, yeah, the NFL is not going to mess around. They want this done and finalized and figured out quickly because the longer it drags on, uh, the worse it is for their brand and just the league as a whole. So, I mean, I have heard that Stephen Ross is likely a lot of like the minority like shareholders, like they're going to like vote him out possibly because it sounds like that this is true, that he did offer money for them to tank and that he's possibly going to be forced to sell the team. Yeah, even if he's – if it's true, who cares what the owners of the, the Dolphins think he is. Yeah, that's belief. the only thing I think that, like, Flores' case, that they are honestly going to be able to prove. It's probably about it. The NFL is going to fight it to the very end. It's just what they do. And if it does – like, for, like, Stephen Ross, it's going to be, like, that's a, that's a Miami Dolphins thing. That's not necessarily, like, what the league did wrong. But it's there's so much that's going to come out. I mean, I won't uh-huh. be shocked to see the NFL start to get involved and magically all these bad things start to leak about Brian Flores. It's just how the NFL works. They, they hire the best lawyers. They get people to leak out information. And it's just, it's just what they do because the brand name and the leak will always come first. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. It's the most profitable organization in all of sports. So, I mean, I'm afraid Flores within the next few months of what could possibly come out about him, whether it's true or not. But it'll be interesting. Trenton, remember when we covered the Gruden situation earlier in the year? When the league wants things out, the the league is going to – I mean, in that case, it was warranted. Like, the league directly couldn't take any action against uh, a head coach like that because it was a a team issue. But, like – they recognized that this guy was tarnishing their brand. And like the, the NFL again is very really, resigned. Yes. They're the, the NFL is very, very sensitive about their brand. Like out of any, I mean, every company is, but the NFL is even more like that logo 
that shield that that means something a lot that it has significant value you can't uh like you put a i don't know you put an nfl logo in a movie or something you have to get like a thousand of this is an exaggeration obviously you have to get like a thousand approvals by some people just to have it show up in a movie or something is an example here but uh, um and the Stephen Ross situation, if it's true, it's another blow. It would be another incident to the league's image. So they would want Ross to be out if uh, uh, what Flores is saying is true. And that would put any other owner who think, even thinks about tanking on notice right there. So. Um, anything else to add on this situation? Or are we just going to have to keep waiting and see the way this plays out? This could easily play out in, into the next season if things don't get resolved. Yeah, I think it will continue into next season. I mean, it's it's going to be a a long and drawn out process, but I mean, it's just one of the many things that we'll have to keep looking into next season, including uh, <laughs> everything that's happening in. Houston with the Texans yeah. and how that organization's oh, run and uh, along with uh, Deshaun Watson and what's going to happen there among many other things. He's going to be a Minnesota Viking. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just Tom, wrote an article this morning on it. Tom, if you want that headache, you take that headache. I don't want him anywhere near my team. Well, I mean, you, you have Justin Fields. I don't see why no, you need but that. I'm saying in general, like if I'm any owner or any GM, I don't want that guy near my team. Not unless he's at a, all. He won't be on a team unless he's acquitted. There's no way. No one will take a chance at him. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. So I think you should uh, hold off your hopes on that. Um, speaking of what you just said, we can transition into the Super Bowl right after this. You were talking about the, the size, the scope of the league. The, the viewership for the Super Bowl came out. And it, from what my understanding is, it increased based off of last year's. Um, came up to close to 112 million people view, uh, viewed the Super Bowl um, this uh, past year. 112.3 million. A million viewers. So it's the most the show the Super Bowl has been watched in the past five years. So when you see right now, like a lot of uh, TV ratings in general have been fluctuating the past few years and stuff, like awards shows like the Oscars, even though, of course, I will watch it every year, uh, the general public isn't as interested. So they tend to generally uh, tune in and out whenever they see fit. But the Super Bowl is the one thing that everyone chooses to continue to watch. Um, uh, and they watched 101.1 million people watched it on TV. And then a, an additional 11.2 million people streamed the game live. So um, it's roughly a 10% jump from the audience that watched the previous Super Bowl and the halftime show averaged 103.4 million people basically between the entire show so people they stayed for the halftime show so it's it's good for the league i mean they're raising money through advertising and then that gives the 
team's money and that increases salary cap. So like the, the NFL, when people complain at the beginning of the year, these voices who uh, think that the NFL has gotten too political or they're taking too much of a stand on such social justice issues, which it absolutely should. But if they, if they complain that these issues turn off regular viewers, they're not going to watch the game because they don't want it to be quote unquote woke. These numbers are obviously uh, discouraging that notion because people are tuning in no matter what to enjoy a, a good game of football. You know what, what I found to be interesting um, is that the number one market was Cincinnati and the number two market was Detroit. And wow. Los Angeles was not hey, even mean, in the top 10. More Lions fans probably showed up at the parade than Rams fans for all we know. There mm-hmm. is a, let me pull this up percent. I sent this to Trenton earlier in the week. Was it um, the uh, LA Lions or something that they were there was there was that. Yes, I saw that in like an airport. People post like in an airport, like Shopperson. But there's a, a meme that was up and it says a new banner. What is the headline? A new banner going up in Detroit. And it has Lions logo. And the text on the banner says, obviously, this is fake because it's a meme. It says, our old QB won a Super Bowl 2021 2022. So it's like a banner hanging in Detroit Stadium. So, uh, I mean, uh, I know he never had much success in Detroit, but you could always tell that Stafford was loved by the people in Detroit and he loved playing Detroit. Obviously, it wasn't his choice to leave. A trade is a trade. You can't, you have no real choice when it comes to trades, except you don't play. I I think he did request a trade, though, because he didn't want to deal with a whole new coaching staff. And it was like a mutual agreement to go like their separate ways because Stafford wanted to win. And he wanted to join, like, San Francisco and other teams on the Rams pull the trigger. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, still I don't – it's a good on uh, his uh, – it's good for him. That's where I'm going to leave it at. And now with that, we can actually get to the covering the reason we're doing this week's show. So as a recap, the Rams beat the Bengals 23-20. to the MVP of the Super Bowl was Cooper Cup. Sean McVay is now the youngest head coach to ever win the Super Bowl. And for back-to-back seasons, the team hosting, the city hosting the Super Bowl, that team has come away as the championship, as the champion. So I'd like to just have a discussion here. What are your guys' thoughts on the game overall? It was a really good game until about the fourth quarter. Then the refs decided to uh, get involved. Um, you know, I thought it was a really good game from top to bottom. Two very even teams. I just have a huge problem with that um, holding call on Logan Wilson. Really? I yeah, thought it was an actually – I thought it was a – It set up the touchdown. It, no, it I know that, but I thought when I watched it in the game and trying to obviously feel free to jump in on this too, it's – I felt that it was a clean call. I, I actually felt it was a holding call. And I was rooting for the Bengals to win the game, obviously, but I thought it was a yeah, – You just don't I thought it was call a clean it enough call. in that situation when it's it, – it was soft. It was very – it wasn't obvious. It was just two guys kind of like going for the ball. But on third down in the Super Bowl, you, you just – you don't make that 
call unless it's just so obvious because that set the Rams up for it would have been like fourth and goal on like the eight yard line and they would have had to throw for about 10 yards and they probably lose the Super Bowl and the Bengals are champions it really changed the outcome of the game and it really ultimately decided because at that point the Rams with like two minutes left they had the ball two yard line it's over like they're gonna put it in and that's gonna be it and I think you just don't call that play it was just such a bad look because the refs were clean all game, all game long. Yeah, that's what I felt, too. I felt that it was well, a pretty well-done officiating game the whole yeah, game. They just let them play it out, and, you know, they just let they let them go at it, play hardball. And then you get to uh, late in the fourth quarter, then there's, you know, there's flags all over the place, and the refs really got involved. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy, but uh, it just makes you question things from, like, just like a, like a fan, like a betting standpoint. One, the Bengals covered the spread. Two, the Rams won the Super Bowl in their home stadium, and, and the refs ultimately decided the end. It was just a lot of, like, fishy stuff that, like, if you're a little skeptical, you could really, like, look into and question a few things. But You can do that with any situation in any game. Yeah. So it it's just There were so many, like, fishy parts. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately, um, it was over once Logan Wilson got called for that call. And there, uh, Devondre Campbell from the Packers – there were multiple players who came out after and said, that is not a penalty. That is just a bang, bang play of two guys going for the ball. The NFL, you messed up. And again, I just hate it because I felt like a whole season's worth of, worth of hard work, effort, blood, sweat, tears. And it gets decided by that. Uh, it's just, it's a gut wrench and it's, it's just a real punch to the gut. If you're a Bengals fan or a Bengals player, because it's like you're at that point, you're, your back's up against the wall. You're not going to have much time to drive all the way downfield. And uh, I do agree with the penalties that were after on Cooper Cup. Like, they were just – at that point, they just held the hold them basically at that point because it's like the most they could go up is like one yard. But uh, other than that, I had no issues with the game. And uh, I do think Zach Taylor should be called out, though, for that fourth and one. Third and one, fourth and one to end the game. Why is Samaje Pirine in the game over Joe Mixon, who makes $13 million a year and is a, and is a Pro Bowl running back? I just I – do, I didn't understand that. It's third and one, and you run it up the gut against Aaron Donald with Samaje Pirine. That's just – that just shows how inexperienced, like, Zach Taylor is as a coach and that – Another reason why me and like many others are not necessarily sold on him as a coach, because, you know, Sean McVay or any of these top tier coaches, Joe Mixon's in that game running it, or you're, you're not going with your backup running back. You're just not. And then on that fourth and one, there's nothing Burrow could do to end the game. There's just absolutely nothing he could do. I mean, he, he threw it away, but when you got Von Miller, Aaron Donald, all these guys running at you with the worst offensive line in football, um, Burrow had no chance. So all in all, it was a really good game. Oh, another missed call was Aaron Donald was offsides on fourth and one. I don't know if it was the end of the game, but it might have been on like earlier in that drive or earlier in the in the second half. It was a fourth and one. I don't recall if it was on the very last play of the game, but I know it was some time throughout the game. It was all over Twitter, and in uh, there there were images that showed he was clearly offsides, and the refs missed it completely. And I think that led to a turnover for the Bengals. So, I mean, it was a lot of questionable calls throughout this game. Yeah. Um, 
on that last that last play, I mean, if you see from a different angle, there was a viewpoint that Jamar Chase was wide open because Jalen Ramsey had fallen down. So if Joe Burrow probably had an extra second, a second and a half, he probably would have seen him. And then that's the game right there because he would have gotten into Jamar Chase because in all in all, Jamar Chase is his guy. Like he, and when the times get tough, he throws it to him. The whole world knows he's throwing it to him and he still makes it happen. So I think uh, in a situation like that, he probably would have gotten it to him if he was fortunate enough to have seen him because he probably running for his life and you have uh, Aaron Donald and uh, Juan Miller and Leonard Floyd and all these other top-notch defenders coming at you. But um, uh, I want to get your trend. I want your thoughts on the, kind of the start to the game because you kind of felt like the Rams they weren't in it to start the game. Like they were having, they were struggling. They were struggling running the ball. They were struggling throwing the ball. Stafford had like two interceptions, I believe, and it just felt like going to halftime. This team wasn't like it. Only they only came alive at the end of the game. Like when it I mean, obviously that's when it mattered and the game was in reach the whole time. It wasn't like the Bengals were blowing them out that they had to really fight the entire game. They came together when they needed to, but just for the most of the game, I would say 80, 85% of the game, the Rams, they weren't in it. And the, the Bengals looked like they were going to, they were going to win the game. Yeah. Um, you know what it really felt like to me? It felt like the Rams Super Bowl against the Patriots, in which the Rams just couldn't really get anything going at all. I mean, it's, it's it was just rough for them. I mean, there was nothing open, and when every single run was getting you just absolutely nothing. I mean, even going into the third quarter and the fourth quarter, you know, they – They'd say you got to stick with the run. You can't not go with the run. You got to mix it up. You got to keep the runs in there. And the runs were just still not getting them anything at all. And I mean, props to them for just sticking with it for so long and, and hoping it would get them something, or at least give the, the idea that they're going to try and run it, you know, Mm -hmm. open up play action, but, um Stafford was definitely the the hero just making up for a complete and total lack of run game it's true and I mean they were lucky that they were still in a position where they could do that this game I mean Stafford did throw two picks if the and like if it and then nothing was clicking properly like uh, in the beginning stages of this game and even going into halftime and uh it didn't it they were trailing until they took that lead in the end so if the Bengals took um capitalized on on their opportunities more then this game probably would have had a, such a wider margin a uh, point margin and they wouldn't be able to stick with the run game and they would be like trying to play catch up more often but it's a testament to that Rams defense for still keeping uh the Bengals at check in check and then the biggest thing that happened though for the Rams offense in general and generally speaking here was when uh Beckham went down when OBJ went down that their whole game plan changed I mean I know they have Cooper Cobb and Van Jefferson but like 
uh, OBJ, he's uh, ever since he came from Cleveland midway through the season, he became such an integral part of this offense. And without him, you could tell that they were uh, trying to figure out what to do. It took them. It took them a good, probably quarter, quarter and a half to figure out what to do now. Yeah, they kind of oh. figured out that uh, you should probably give it to your best player. It's Cooper Cup. Yeah. No, and, and they started feeding him. Yeah, when they, that's the reason he won the MVP. When uh, they needed him the most, he shows up on the final drive and makes so many key plays for them. Even in that slump in the beginning of the game, uh, there were a couple of brights a bright spot and that was when Stafford got the ball to Cup because then Cup can run and when Cup ran it was just something to give that team a little bit of energy and a little bit of boost um, but and again he won offensive player of the year so that uh, you don't see that that often right a wide receiver winning offensive player of the year but the numbers he put up and the production he had I would say justified it getting that getting that award. Um, what else? And I mean, it's just the the shocking thing, I guess, about it for me is that the Rams for so long have built their team around the attitude of we don't need first round picks. We'll just trade them away and pull all these superstar or players. Or they mm-hmm. uh, they They've proven that they, they don't. They sent a second and third round pick to the uh, Broncos for Von Miller, and now Von Miller's testing the open market, and now there's some um, whispers going around that he's going to resign with the Broncos after all. So they basically <laughs> just gave him away for a second, third round pick. Like, yeah, you can just rent them, and then he'll just come back. Like they got they got a, they got what they wanted. Though. Like again, they were playing fantasy football in real life. And they wanted their goal was to get all these pieces together. They weren't planning for the future. They were wanting it right now. And their their plan came to success. Like the plan they put in place. I mean, they're obviously gonna have to sit down and evaluate their team like every team does, but they had one plan in place for this season. Sean was to get, back. Yeah, he he's back. Yeah, um we don't know. Um his nah, entire they, coaching staff's getting poached by O'Connell right now. So he'll be back. Uh, he'll be back. Aaron Donald will be back. Um, anyway, um, they had one plan in place for this season and a short-term goal, and that was to get the best players possible that they could get and put together a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl-caliber team, which they did, get to the Super Bowl, which they did, and then win the Super Bowl, which they did. So they accomplished all their goals, and that is all any team can ever expect in a given season. What comes forth in the next season and the season after that, you take that when that opportunity um, comes and when you have to evaluate that. But right now they're, they're the ones sitting at home with a Super Bowl trophy in their hands while 31 other teams are not. So um, that's – again, if they didn't win this game, then – despite having reached the Super Bowl, despite having have the best, probably the best team in the league, it probably would have been considered a failure. And so they had to win this game, which they did. How about a shout out to Eric Weddle 
two years into yes. his retirement, he gets yes. pulled into the what playoffs, ruptures his pec in two places during the Super Bowl and has to play three quarters with that and mm-hmm. manages to win a Super Bowl. I mean, five weeks ago, the guy sitting at home on a couch, he gets called up and he just he's he literally came onto the NFL Network set right after the game. Like he just walked right onto it. And he was basically being asked uh, how it was, and he said he's basically taking was taking it week by week. He wasn't expecting to play longer than a week, and then he it turned into another week, and then it just turned into another week, and then he good for him. I mean, yeah. imagine that with like Josh McCown though, Trenton. I can <laughs> easily see that happening. Could <laughs> be. But uh, what about Evan McPherson, man? The Bengals kicker. The guy hasn't missed a kick in the playoffs, and he sat to watch the Super Bowl halftime show. He's just a kid. No, he's a 21, 22-year-old uh, Just kicker. imagine. I mean, uh, his, his position gives him the luxury of that, right? I mean, what adjustment? This is what people online were saying. Like, what adjustments does a kicker need to make, really? Like, if anything, people are saying it's less of a distraction for the rest of the team. We all know he knows what he's doing. He's confident in his job. He's been reliable all season. And uh, he just has to kick the ball. And he's proven he can do it. He's not like a, he's not like a, a guy who you'd be concerned about every time you go out there. If he, if you put him out there, you can basically assume he's going to make it. And he was having a good time. So I have no issue with him uh, sitting out there at the halftime show, just watching it. Front row seat to a, I think it just shows how much concert. I, I, I mean, I think that kind of just shows like that Zach Taylor might not have that much control over the team as he thinks, where maybe the players necessarily don't respect him as much. No, as I don't think that at all. Bowl, if it's I a don't... Super Bowl, Everybody should be in that locker room. So I I don't I don't yeah. no not not the kicker. I don't think the kicker needs to be in there. I think it's perfectly fine. Michael Irvin once told a story about how he snuck out of the Super Bowl locker room to go watch the Michael Jackson, which I know his uh, performance, which I get is different. Michael Irvin's uh, wide receiver probably should be. Well, he's also discussing what his, he's, not a, he, he's not a rookie. No, but that time he was 26 years old. He was probably a couple of years into the league. And this yeah, is the Super Bowl that he – So, no, I think the kicker – I'm not concerned about the kicker missing the, anything in the halftime. Nothing – he's probably – he was probably just going to be sitting around doing Matt nothing. Matt was in the locker room for the Rams. That's anyone's personal choice. I don't – he – it didn't prove him to be any – um it didn't – anytime he he went on the field, he made his kicks. So he didn't miss a kick in the whole game. So, I have no issue with the rookie kicker going out to enjoy the Super Bowl halftime show. Trenton, you got to sell this, man. Do you have an issue with this? We're coming up with some nonsense <laughs> argument right now that has no reason if to – If you were a coach, would you have an issue with one of your players not being in the locker no. room for the halftime it's a, show? it's a kicker, Tom. It's still it's a, a position. Kicker. Yeah, it's like Devin Hester missed the Pro Bowl. It's not that poor position, but people were trying to say that, you know, he should have been a first ballot. No, Devin Hester should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. That's that different. Is. That's two different situations, Tom. We can <laughs> debate this for oh. hours, but 
why is why is a kick and punt returner a legitimate position, but a kicker is like, eh, it's, it's whatever. It's just a guy who could like. Oh, Tom, I can get into this forever, but I don't want to at the moment. But uh, <laughs> uh, Trenton, let's uh, let's give your opinion. Let's wrap the show up. We we've gone off the rails at this point. Uh, it's good. It's good fun though. But uh, well, I guess one just one last thought for me uh, is going to be on the Bengals as a team, they got a lot of criticism for drafting Jamar Chase instead of drafting an offensive lineman and they make it to the Super Bowl. And in the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow gets hit a lot, sacked seven times. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, like you said, all the way at the very end, last play, Jamar Chase is open. It was they open. don't have the offensive line to protect Joe Burrow, so it goes what back. Do they get an offensive yeah. lineman to protect him, but do they still make the Super Bowl if they don't get Jamar Chase? That is true, honestly, because it's kind of like a no-win situation because Jamar Chase is such a talented receiver who has worked well with Burrow in the past. Like They already have that connection, that chemistry that it takes forever for receivers and quarterbacks to build, no matter how good you are on either position. But at the same time, having another uh, a, a capable offensive line is important. And like Tom said earlier, the Bengals are really high in cap space. So now they've realized where their weaknesses are. And even with those weaknesses, what they could achieve. So just trying to find ways to plug those holes and fix those weaknesses can probably uh, solidify that team for um, hopefully years to come. And we'll be thinking of the Bengals as a, a relevant team uh, going forward. All right, guys. I think that was a, a very spirited discussion. Good, good. Always good talking to you guys. Uh, we'll have to figure out what comes up now in the future. Like Tom said, free agency, the new league year will be starting. Um, there's this new football league coming up soon called the um, – the United uh, States Football League starting up in April. So it's like one of these developmental, I mean, you can't call it developmental, but like anyone who's making the league, the NFL, they usually end up there. Um, so that might be something to occasionally take a watch, look at, see if any notable faces show up there. Uh, that starts in April. Um, the draft is coming up, free agency. The combine starts like the, March 2nd. The combine, yes, sir. That happens a um, lot of trade discussions go down true um and uh, i think it'll was it in person last year like was there a combine last, last year? year yeah yeah i are no no i think last year's combine was canceled it was okay they had it the year before when covid first yeah because that was when COVID, uh, COVID wasn't a big thing at that moment in time two years ago. I think COVID was still like three weeks away or something from really taking over the country. So, okay, if there wasn't a combine last year, then it'll be interesting to see how things uh, things work out. So we will obviously be keeping up to date with all that and keeping track with all the upcoming news. So with that, thank you all for listening to the By the Laces podcast. We will be back uh, hopefully next week with another episode. We'll have to see how things play out. But uh, we hope you have a great rest of your week. Don't forget to follow us at Bill Malik 15 
Trenton underscore Cito and Thomas Gorski 33. Please stay safe and uh, enjoy.